0: Hello and welcome to the Fail Mary podcast. We had a lot of interesting results this week. There are now 14 teams in the NFL with six wins or more. So those playoff places are really going to go down to the wire when you consider that none of those teams are in the NFC East. We will start as always with the scores from the weekend. Thursday night saw the Seahawks beating the Cardinals. Finally, the Seahawks had some kind of run game and defence. Carlos Hyde averaged nearly six yards a carry, so Wilson could concentrate on making the right plays instead of making all of the plays. Kyler Murray, I think, will be disappointed not to have found the end zone in that fourth quarter. That would have really put the game on the line. Moving to Sunday, ugh, the Ravens lost to the Titans. There was a certain amount of inevitability in this game. The Ravens had a 21-10 lead in the third quarter, but Derek Henry inevitably got going. The Ravens got run all over. They couldn't stop him once again. Same thing as that happened to them in the playoffs last year. Uh, the Titans took it to overtime, and then Henry won it for them. Lamar still having to do too much work. He did manage a partial game-tying drive in the fourth quarter. I mean, it wasn't a touchdown, but it was a field goal, so he, he got some movement. Except for J.K. Dobbins and Mark Andrews, Lamar doesn't have much in the way of supporting cast. Des Bryant did feature. Looked promising. It was a start, but he's not fully going yet. The Panthers shut out the lines. This was 21-0. to I can't tell you how well organised the Panthers are. Matt Rule has to, had, had to play as backup, who I'll come back to. But the Panthers simply out-organised and were just more well-drilled and more sophisticated than Matt Patricia and the Lions. So lots of credit to the Panthers. The Eagles lost to the Browns. This game was stupid. 17-22. Carson went at points. Looks like he's actively trying to lose the game instead of win it. Some absolutely terrible throws, especially the last interception he made. He threw two of them. Uh, They have the beginnings of a run game as well, so this is literally just Wentz blowing it for the Eagles. Baker Mayfield, very much game management average. The Texans beat the Patriots. This is another interesting game. The Patriots, outdoor in the rain, can beat the Ravens, but when they play in a nice cosy stadium, can't even beat the Texans. Deshaun Watson was great. They're still pretty much irrelevant as a team, the Texans, but it was a good showing from Watson, so that was nice to see. The Packers lost to the Colts again. I felt this one was inevitable. The Packers started well, but the Colts got such a good push going up front in the run game that they just reeled them back in, forced overtime, and then in overtime, Packers again tried to be too clever, backfired, gave the Colts great field position, and there was a field goal winner. 34-31 was that game. 140 rushing yards to the Packers, 66. The Steelers batted the Jags. They're still undefeated. That game was 27-3. The Saints beat the Falcons. Saints... Absolutely trolled me to be honest after I spent most of last week talking about Jameis Winston. He didn't even feature. Taysom Hill started at quarterback. His stat line was fine. 18 completions, 233 yards, no picks and 10 carries for 49 yards. So he just did a good job of just seeing the game through and the Saints defense stepped up to support him. So good game for the Saints. That was 24 to 9. The Cowboys beat the Vikings. This was pretty wild. Couldn't have gone either way. Andy Dalton was back and played well. 200 yards and three touchdowns. Kirk Cousins did have a chance to have a game-winning drive, and he managed four whole yards against this Cowboys defence. So once again, underwhelming from Cousins in the big situations. That ended 31-28. The Chiefs beat the Raiders. This was another amazing game. The Raiders' offence averaged more yards per play than the Chiefs did. They were also better on third downs. The only difference was that they gave Mahomes time at the end of the game to run a two-minute drill, and he, I would say pushed, he waltzed down the field. It was far too easy. supposed to look hard. Mahomes made it look incredibly easy. The Vegas defence probably helped with that. That game ended 35-31. The Dolphins lost to the Broncos. Another fascinating game. Low scoring, 20-13. The Broncos' pass rush really got after Tua, to the point where they benched him in the fourth quarter for Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick being Fitzpatrick did a better job of distributing the ball but he also threw the Dolphins only pick of the game. I hate to say but there isn't really a huge differential between Lock and Tua at this point. I know Locke's got a, f- a year or so more experience but shouldn't Tua be separating himself from the other quarterbacks soon? It's very early but he just he looked serviceable. The Chargers beat the Jets 34 to 28 that's way too many points to be giving up to the Jets. Herbert was good the Chargers defence wasn't. And on Monday Night Football, the Rams beat the Buccaneers. We will come back to that story, but let's first start with what happened in Washington. So, the Washington football team beat the Bengals. That isn't really the story, although it was nice to see Alex Smith get his first win back. The game was overshadowed by the bigger story. I'll read you the headline. Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow to undergo surgery on his left knee after scan shows both ACL and MCL tears. Um, yeah, really not good news. Unsurprisingly, it happened when Burrow tried to stay in the pocket and throw a pass, and the Washington pass rush, which is good, literally collapsed the entire Bengals O-line, which is terrible, on top of him. Um, and this has highlighted what I think is probably the only real problem with the NFL. I don't care about the pass interference rules changing on a yearly basis. That's just them trying to develop and make the game more entertaining. But what I do absolutely despise about the NFL is that there is no accountability for being bad in all the big british sports if you're bad okay drop down a league play against the other bad teams you'll make way less money because less people want to watch bad teams and want to watch bad teams playing against bad teams but that's fair right if you aren't good if you can't sort yourself out and get yourself together then you drop down and either you sort yourselves out or you accept that you aren't at the elite level anymore uh but in the nfl if you aren't good if you're the absolute worst then it's hey Here you go, here's the best player in college, and here's an easier schedule. And I've said before that the NFL is designed to level out teams, give worse teams more opportunities to improve themselves. That's what the league does. But that is reliant on the organisations within the league being properly invested in making themselves better. So, Joe Burrow is an Ohio boy. He lives near Cincinnati, but he went to college at LSU. LSU is a huge, well funded, well organised college football programme. So, When Burrow was at LSU, he had the support of an elite organisation, excellent recruiting, and a coach with nearly 40 years' experience in Auderon. And then he moves into the NFL, and basically as punishment for being good, he gets a coach with just over 12 years' experience in his first year as a head coach, and one of the most budget, poorly organised, disengaged ownership, budget facilities, save-a-penny-everywhere organisations in the entire NFL. I mean, the Bengals didn't even provide their players with energy drinks until the late 2000s. And Cincinnati, in its entire 53-year history, has managed two conference championships. They've never won a Super Bowl. Their facilities are budget. Mike Brown is the team owner, president, and GM. He's been rated as one of the worst team owners in all of American professional sports. Even their uniforms, I think, look a little bit tacky. They haven't won a playoff game since 1990, so for over 30 years they've just been thoroughly a bad team. And there's, there's still this general belief among fans of the NFL that it is an honour to play in the league. Remember in 2004 when Eli Manning got drafted and he announced before the draft that if the Chargers took him, he would refuse to play because he had absolutely no desire to play for an organisation that didn't look after their players properly and that if they drafted him, he wouldn't sign a contract. So they traded him to the Giants, he won two Super Bowls against Brady and still, to this day, people criticise him for not wanting to get battered on the field, and then completely abandoned off it. And the point is that it isn't always an honour to play in the NFL. If you've dedicated your entire life, not partied, worked out and trained every day, sacrificed everything else to get into the league, then at that point it is no longer an honour, it's something you've earned. And if you're Joe Burrow, then you've definitely earned the right to go somewhere that deserves your talents. Somewhere that will take your skill sets and say, "Okay, we love these, these are cool, these are great. Uh, here's how we're going to support and develop them with you, not somewhere that goes, hey, we like these skills, can you use them to win every single game for us and we're not going to do anything to help you? And uh, I really just feel that this this injury is entirely on Cincinnati. The moment he got drafted, the reaction was, oh, good luck, Joe, against the Steelers twice a year and the Ravens and the Browns, you're going to get eaten alive. Everyone knew that Burrow was going to get battered all year long and the Bengals have done nothing To support him no run game no defense terrible offensive line they have done nothing for him and i think what people forget is that injuries like these for people are life-changing he has to have his knee completely reconstructed there is no guarantee that he'll ever be able to move the same way ever again and it's written into every contract that you can't sue the organization that injuries are part of the game well injuries are part of the game but philip rivers is made of breadsticks at this point and he's barely been touched this year so I would have, at this point, absolutely no problem if Joe Burrow declared now that he will not play for the Bengals organization again until he genuinely believes that they have taken steps to improve their organization and their team. Because it's it's so dismal at this point that it's genuinely unsafe and it's inevitable that people get hurt. And until someone stands up to them in the organization, they will just continue to freeload off the lead. League, contribute nothing, and just take profits and ticket sales and advertising year on year. They aren't even in the same universe as half the league. Think about the Patriots or the Saints or the Steelers or the Colts. Even even the Cowboys whose team are bad, but at least Jerry Jones is invested in making them better. I would have no problem with it. In fact, in fact, I encourage him and other members of the team to do so because they're a shambles and they are spoiling the league. And I just think, wouldn't it be great if all 32 teams were competitive? Oh, wait, here comes Cincinnati, the eternal disappointments. So circling back to the Monday night game, the Bucks lost to the Rams on, on Monday night football. The Bucks weren't particularly good. They couldn't really run the ball and Brady threw a couple of really bad picks. I also think the Rams are doing a great job of getting results together at the moment. They don't really blow anyone away. But the defense is now top three in the league, and Goff is managing things well when he considered that he was asked to throw fifty-one times in this game. So Sean McVay pretty much just outcoached Bruce Arians, who really isn't doing a great job against the more modern teams. The Rams do all sorts of motions and reads, whereas the Bucks are pretty simplistic, which is beginning to show through. I I think both teams will make the playoffs. They both have seven wins, but the story from the night is what happened just after the game. So. On the last drive, Brady throws the interception, which essentially wins the game for the Rams. Obviously, he's frustrated that he couldn't get things going, but he doesn't shake Jared Goff's hand after the game. And this isn't the first time he's done this this season. After the loss to the Bears, where he forgot which down it was, he didn't shake Nick Foles' hand either. I think that's probably more of an embarrassment thing that he just wanted to get off the field. But his excuse for these things is that, oh, I I didn't really think about it or I forgot. I mean, just come on, come on, Tom. He's, he's you've been in the league for 20 seasons now he's you played at least 320 games I do not buy for a second that you can forget the post-game ritual of going out into the field and shaking hands then this time he said I tend to only do that with people I have relationships with oh really like like Justin Herbert who you'd never met and who didn't know you were playing against until 20 minutes before kickoff no one's really buying that either now I don't know what's going on with him If I had to guess, I'd say that it's part frustration with himself and part annoyance with Bruce Arians, who I still don't rate particularly highly as a head coach and whose press conferences always make me cringe. But Tom is still the largest profile in the entire league. He's still the GOAT, the most decorated quarterback of all time. And it was his first time back against a coach and a quarterback who he beat in a Super Bowl not too long ago. So it would have been the easiest thing in the world to just go out and just say, hey you got me this time good game love your work that's done it doesn't even have to be true or genuine just just go out there so i don't know what the beef is and the thing is you don't you don't want people having to tell their kids hey you see what tom brady just did you see that yeah don't do that and it's it's a shame i'm sure i'll we'll cut it out because he is a, a decent person but it needs to change nice short one but brady come on buck up your ideas Now, moving on to the mailbag. Question number one. What did I think of the Titans holding their pregame team talk on the Baltimore crest in the middle of the field? Yeah, this was good. Interesting stuff at the beginning of the game. uh, As I said, the entire Titans team got together in the center of the field on the crest to have their their pregame hype thing. It's sort of like a claiming their house is your house respect thing. Um, It's not unheard of. Terrell Owens used to, um, when he played against Dallas uh, in a very famous game, ran all the way back to the star in the middle of the Dallas field and planted the ball there after he scored a touchdown. So it's... I know what they were doing. It was a bit of a jibe pre-game. It was like a, hey, we you know, we beat you in the playoffs. We've got your number, which they did. They did have their number in the game. So it's it's mind games for the game. I like stuff like that. What I don't love is the reaction from the Ravens. And I think this is kind of testament to who the Ravens are at the moment because they they look like they should be a tough team on paper, but they, they get pushed around a fair bit. And the only person who was out in the middle having that argument and telling them to be respectful and get off the crest was John Harbor, the coach. And I like that he did it, but where was the entire Ravens team? Like, they were, all, they were out there. If I was a, an offensive lineman and I saw someone do that on my crest, I would be out there and meet immediate- and this is what happened in dallas as well george teague who's not a particularly famous player but who played for dallas at the time the second time Tio tried to to you know plant himself in the middle of the dallas star sprinted back to the halfway line to knock him off it before he could get there and if if, if someone's going to come into your house and disrespect you like that even if it's just a football game you have to make the point that no no no, no this is this is our turf you do not come here and do that so I would like to have seen some Baltimore... I don't care if you get into it like that. Don't punch anyone, obviously, because we said before, punching people with helmets on is stupid. But come on. They're blatantly disrespecting you in your home stadium and you just do nothing as a group. I think I think it really was testament to who Baltimore are at the moment. They they look like they're tougher than they are. And then when it comes to it, they're all a bit like, meh, yeah. I didn't see it from anyone. I think it was disappointing. Disappointing from Baltimore... Part of the mind games for the Titans, and then they had their number. So, essentially, they did claim the field. Thank you very much for your question. Question number two: What are your thoughts on P.J. Walker? Love, so glad you asked. Um, the Carolina quarterback for this week was P.J. Walker. He's their backup. He's had a pretty long-winded career to starting the NFL. He was undrafted out of college. He's been cut by twelve different NFL teams. Uh, and he finally gets his opportunity to start some football games in the XFL, where which is like the sort of a sub lead of the NFL. It wasn't quite as big or as popular, but they, they launched it for a bit last season. In that time, he threw 15 touchdowns in five games. and Then the league folds and goes bankrupt again. So he gets picked up, gets put to Carolina and finally gets his, his opportunity, completes for 24 of 34, throws a touchdown and two picks. So it's not the most amazing stat line, but he did... Carolina aren't a huge a dynamic team and the Lions are a better defence than people are giving them credit for. I'm not entirely sure he suits the Panthers just because I think they're sort of building a similar thing to what the Saints and the Dolphins are, which is all about possession, sensible passing, rhythm timing stuff. And I think, you know, he's he's mobile, he's got a pretty decent arm, he's quite quick, so you could scheme him to the run game if you wanted to. I don't think he's got a future as a starter in Carolina. 'Cause I see what they're building there and I think they're gonna look for someone younger in the draft. But Pete there's there is a market for players like PJ A. Walker in the NFL. I think there are definitely worse starting quarterbacks out there than him right now. So it was excellent to see him. I won I'm it'll be interesting to see where he goes, if anywhere, because I think if he has to start the next few games and he has a good performance, then it goes it becomes a question of well, we're not gonna keep him, but he definitely deserves to be starting somewhere, so let's ship him for something worthwhile. I think there are a fair few teams out there that would look to pick up someone like PJ Walker. You could get him for cheap. You'd probably bring him in as a, a maybe a, a backup role and then look to transition him in if someone else doesn't work out. Uh, I'm trying to think. Of t- I could see him being at the 49ers if they don't get Sam Darnold because they're going to be too good for a high draft pick. I can see the Colts um, moving for him if they aren't hugely happy with Philip Rivers or if, if Philip Rivers decides to retire because he's he just adds another level of dynamicness that he's slightly more modern as an nfl quarterback there's definitely a market for people like pj walker let's see how he does over the next few weeks if he turns out to be terrible then the market will go away so this is a very much a, a prove it time for him and that means the carolina games while he's around are going to be interesting to watch but i'm very pleased for him to get his chance and to perform like he did because he was he was definitely serviceable and it was, it was great to see so congratulations to pj walker thank you for your question question number three does Derek Carr deserve MVP votes excellent question so Derek Carr since week five has been the third highest graded quarterback so he's just in terms of pure statistics he's up there in the conversation obviously they run the ball a lot but so do Tennessee he's definitely more serviceable than Tannehill is Carr has been in the MVP conversation before. I think we forget this, but back in 2016, before he broke his leg, the thing that everyone seems to have forgotten about Carr is that he was drafted as a gunslinger in 2014. His NFL arm, he, sort of his NFL profile, was that he has a great NFL arm. He, he throws an amazing deep ball. He really dishes the ball out. He came from Fresno State, which is, I think, the fourth biggest college in California, so it's not a big place. But his idol growing up was Brett Favre. So. He's very much built in the mould of a slightly more modern, not quite as, velocity-wise, not quite as powerful a thrower as Brett Favre, but he really, he likes to move around, he likes to throw it deep, and he got blamed unfairly for the decline, because, I mean, Oakland, when they were still Oakland, had very little talent at that point, but now he's got Ruggs, who's an amazing deep threat, he's got Aguilar, who's showing to be a good root runner, he's got Waller, who's a great tight end, he's got Renfro, who's great in the slot, and now he's got this sort of talented group around him, he can get back to doing... What he's best at, and in this game he was competitive with Mahomes just in terms of the deep balls he threw and how nice they looked. There wasn't that much difference between his throws and Mahomes. Mahomes did more of them and racked up more yards. But when Carr is asked to do it, he's very, very capable. And I think a lot of credit to John Greenen for putting that offense together for him. And I, I like it and I see why it works. And I think Oakland are actually quite a dangerous team to face right now. But he'll get MVP votes. He's still got to compete with Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, but he has done an excellent job revitalizing his career in Las Vegas. So fair play to him. Moving on to games of the week. It's Thanksgiving week in America, which uh, means there's supposed to be more games on Thursday night, although one has been postponed. We'll come back to that one. Thanksgiving week tends to be a game of a week of bigger games so there's a uh, there's great divisional games like the titans are playing the colts that's a good one the 49ers against the rams that's an exciting divisional game the bears are playing the packers but i'm not going to pick any of them although they're all good games and would be worth watching the ones i'm going with are at six fifteen, and this was due to be on thursday night the ravens are playing the steelers on sunday now the precursor to this is that this is supposed to be on thursday there's supposed to be a big thanksgiving game and It's been moved because the Ravens had a bit of a COVID issue. Lots of Steelers players have already taken to Twitter, criticising the Ravens, saying, why don't we get a Thanksgiving game just because you can't sort yourselves out? So if there wasn't enough beef in the 40, 50 years of history that these two teams have with each other, there definitely is now. So the arguments have already started. It's going to be hugely physical as a game. These games always are, especially in the prime time slots. And... For me, this is sort of last chance saloon for the Ravens. If they lose again, then they're going into their last few weeks. Even though their schedule gets a bit easier, they've still got... They are now really, really in, in in the race for the wild card. They are miles behind the Steelers. And if they want any chance of competing, they need to keep stringing results together as much as possible. And the Steelers are still undefeated, so that'll be extra motivation because they don't want their division rivals to have a perfect season. That would be incredibly embarrassing when they were tipped to beat them. This is, yeah, for me, the Ravens have to put a showing in here. The Steelers haven't been great at running the ball, but they are dishing out really well passing-wise, and that defensive front is incredible. Very, very hard to play against. So this is about, can the Ravens finally make this not too much about Lamar? Because if this is all about Lamar again, he's going to get battered, and the Ravens are going to lose. But they should have extra motivation. They've been criticised on Twitter. It's Thanksgiving week. This is a massive... This is probably as big as the derbies get in the NFL and the ravens need to put in a good showing here if they don't win this then for me they're not even the top 10 nfl teams because there are teams out there who maybe aren't as talented at the quarterback position as the ravens are but are much more physical much more dominant play the play football in the right way and the ravens are really slipping into a team that's sort of a bit gadget and gizmo similar to green bay and if you can get pushed around like that you aren't going to last in the in the back end of the season so ravens versus steelers 615 and at 9.25, the Chiefs are playing the Buccaneers. This is going to be huge for Brady and Arians. I think this has to be the one where Arians go, learns that his offense isn't modern enough for the NFL anymore. Because he's going to see the Chiefs offense in action. And it's about as, as fast and as, as high tempo and as aggressive and as adrenaline-fueled as an offense gets. It's so quick. It's really watching the the drive against Las Vegas and how quickly and how easily they put together that that two minute drill. That should terrify anyone. I think the Chiefs are the, still the best team in the league. The Buccaneers are reading their press a little bit, and it was I think they deserve to lose to the Rams. So hopefully they learn that actually they aren't that good yet. They've still got to beat the Saints in the division if they want a good playoff place. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the Chiefs. I think if the Chiefs tear the Buccaneers a new one, this Bruce Arians has to look at himself and go. Wow, this this can't just be Brady. This has got to be something about how we're playing because they ripped us apart here. And again, it'll be nice to see the Chiefs play such a top defence and it'll be nice to see Brady play against a good defence as well because the Chiefs defence doesn't slack. But yeah, this I hope that this is the week where Aaron's gets showed up and learns a lesson because they've had a few games now where I'm sort of thinking, okay, well, you've attributed that to the wrong thing and actually you just need to have a look at yourself because your coaching is not good enough. So that's at 9.25. And that will end Games of the Week and end the show for this week. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we are on YouTube still. It's called The Fail Mary Podcast. Um, Thank you very much for the people who keep listening to them and commenting and liking and subscribing and stuff. That's excellent. Really appreciate your support. And thank you for listening to the podcast. I will see you next week.